Welcome to the Untold Tales Audio Anthologies. Written by Dr. Jeffrey A. Robinson and Don Muchow. And narrated by Melissa Del Toro Schaffner. The Traveling Salesman, Part 11. I braced my back against the metal wall of the cell and shivered. It was clean, at least there was that, but dark, damp, cold, bare, and left me in a miserable mood. The room was empty except for a row of bunks along the walls and a small toilet in the corner furthest from the door. I covered my eyes and tried to hide the guilt I felt for getting us all into our current situation. If only I hadn't mouthed off in the first place, back at the hotel, while my alien business partner, Glactyl, slept. Before we had bought Harold, the bargain basement robot, met Karen, the museum docent, and things had gotten complicated. Strangely, it was the presence of Karen that allowed me to let go some of that guilt. The woman just wouldn't shut up. As I leaned into the shadows and tried to be invisible, she was going on about something to Harold, who chattered back at her in a tone of what I can only assume was programmed sympathy. The cell was intended to hold many more than its current four occupants, myself, Glactyl, Karen, and Harold. With Karen and Harold, it seemed crowded. If I had a gun, I'd have shot one of them. But the only gun we had was back on the ship, and it wasn't an ordinary gun anyway. It probably didn't matter, since neither Glactyl nor I seemed to be that skilled at using it. That said, Glactyl had just about gotten hang of it when we ran into the cartel that had been chasing us ever since my taunting message to them. Some days I was brilliant, and others... Well, here we were. The only illumination in the cell came from the little light that leaked in from the hallway outside, through a small crack under the door and the edges of a tiny shuttered window. I couldn't make out the outlines of my fellow occupants, but I was certain they were glaring at me. This is not what I signed up for. I thought. And that was when I told her, It's not my dog, said Harold. And Karen laughed in a way that sounded like someone deliberately kicking a diesel engine into reverse at highway speed. When I had partnered up with Glactyl back on Earth, I'd expected to have marvelous adventures, traveling as the assistant to a famous intergalactic traveling salesman. And for a few years... Things had worked out that way. But through a series of strangely unusual incidents, I now found myself a captive of a large criminal cartel, where I and my companions shared an uncertain and dismal, if not completely fatal, future. Turning my attention to the walls of my prison, I felt a seam in the smooth wall near me and dug in with my fingernails, hoping for enough purchase to find a weakness in the cladding, pull it back through brute force, and escape. To no great surprise, I broke a fingernail. Fuck, I said. Don't even try, Bob, said Glactyl. The walls are made of titanium durasteel alloy and could withstand the direct fire of a military dreadnought. The door is also made of the same material and is sealed with a magnetic lock that cannot be picked or bypassed. I thought briefly about whether the gun I imagined I had still would have been better aimed at any one of the three of them, 
Instead, I grumbled at the shadowy figure next to me. So, have you got a point? I swear I could hear his eyebrows rise. Then, I remembered he didn't have eyebrows. I merely wish to save you the time and effort of futile pursuit, Glactyl replied. Backing away from the wall, I turned and addressed the shadow behind me that had spoken. You are a real killjoy, do you know that, Glactyl? Or are you just coyly waiting for the right time to reveal your plan to get us out of here? Actually, yes, Glactyl replied. That is to say, I have been working on a plan, but I do not think it is either complete or serviceable yet. So, I have not revealed it. But here's what I have so far. Glactyl gave an angry sigh that sounded more like a snort. But before I get into that, I must ask, what were you thinking when you blackmailed the largest criminal organization in this galactic arm with information that could irreparably damage their reputation? I was improvising, I said. It wasn't blackmail. I needed to know the value of the information, and the most direct way to get it was to threaten to release it. Hmm. And you did not stop to consider potential consequences? Said Glactyl. Yeah. Well, I replied. Remember, though, that we got tossed more than a thousand years into the future by that odd artifact we found, and I was just trying to figure out a way to get us back on our feet. Well, all you managed was to get our ship seized and us tossed in here. Okay, okay, I said. So this is all my fault. Stop rubbing it in and just tell me, what's your plan? It was just then that I noticed that Karen and Harold had ceased joking around. That was not a good sign from either of them. The only time Karen ever shut up was when she was considering her special kind of trouble. Before Glactyl and I could continue our conversation, a loud pounding sounded on the heavy metal door of the cell, a few feet away. At first, I thought it was a guard bringing food. Hey! shouted Karen loudly. I demand to speak to a guard. You can't keep us here. You have no right. Oh, God, I muttered to Glactyl. She's at it again. I thought she'd finally worn herself out. The pounding grew louder and did not stop. No, said Glactyl. I fear she was only recharging. I don't think it's in her nature to stop. I shook my head, knowing that it would be a waste of time to try to intervene. All I would do is cause her to focus her ire on me. Not for the first time did I think it ironically fitting that Karen was the archetype of all Karens. I know you can hear me, she screamed at the door. Let us out now, or I promise that you'll regret the day you were born. Glactyl also kept his distance from her. I think she could keep this up all day, he said quietly. She is a force majeure. No, I replied. She's just a major pain in the... There was another loud bang on the door, but this sounded different. The bolt was drawn loudly and the door groaned open, flooding the cell with blinding light from the hallway beyond. I squinted and saw Karen standing authoritatively with her arms folded in front of her, ready to confront her captors. The silhouette of a large guard filled the doorway. His shoulders, nearly as wide as the opening, 
He carried a military-grade plasma rifle in his hands and scanned the room, surveying the four of us. Well, it's about time, Karen said angrily. I demand you let us go and return us to... The guard ignored her and pointed at Glactyl and me. You two, he said gruffly. Come with me. The boss wants to speak with you. Glactyl and I looked at each other. My throat was so dry that I could barely swallow. But Glactyl smiled and whispered, It'll be all right. Just follow my lead. Don't you dare ignore me! screamed Karen. The guard raised an eyebrow and stepped back about an inch as Karen tore into him with body and soul, flailing like a drowned cat. Is she always like this? he asked. Pretty much, Glactyl and I said in unison. I could kill her, he said. If it would give you some comfort. The boss doesn't need her. Just the two of you. Nah, I said, improvising again. I wasn't sure yet if Karen needed to be part of our escape plan, so I thought, better safe than sorry. She might be useful for something later. The guard shrugged. Fine, have it your way. Turning, he roughly knocked her aside with a stock of the plasma rifle and glared down at her. Piss me off, though, and I change my mind. You understand? Karen staggered back and pointed at the guard. If she had a superpower, it would have been bold indignance in the presence of an existential crisis. Did you see that? He struck me! Didn't your father teach you never to hit a woman? The guard frowned and aimed his plasma rifle at Karen's head, just as a voice from the hallway said, Wait, Otto, you better not. Boss didn't say anything about hurting him. I think he wants him to be alive and conscious when he talks to them. Uh, yes, Chief, replied Otto, lowering his weapon as he stepped back to let us all exit the cell. Karen took that as a sign of victory and launched another tirade. Oh boy, are you in trouble now! There's another crime I'll have you charged with. First kidnapping and false imprisonment, now assault. Oh, you're going to be in big trouble when I talk to your boss. Glactyl stared at me briefly, and I just shook my head, whispering, Don't bother trying to interrupt her. You'd have more success trying to stop a big rock rolling down the tunnel behind Indiana Jones. Glactyl replied with a quizzical look on his face, obviously not understanding the metaphor. You know what? J forget it, I said. Let's just follow him out of here. The guard frowned and pointed his weapon at Karen. I told you if you pissed me off. Just then, Harold spoke up. Actually, he said, she does have a point. Under galactic conventions covering both civilian and military personnel, you are technically guilty of all those crimes which you have committed in the presence of three witnesses. Indeed, having touched her physically, you are actually guilty of assault and battery. Use of a weapon will make it aggravated assault and battery. And, I should mention, if you were to kill her, at the very least, manslaughter. The card looked confused at the unexpected interruption, turning his weapon toward the robot. No, wait, I said. Don't shoot him. He's just a level one service bot. He can't harm you. He's just annoying, that's all. 
In fact, I'll fix that. Harold, initiate an immediate reboot, and then run full system-level diagnostics. Understand? Yes, sir, said Harold, as his eyes rolled back into his head, and he shut down with a loud whining sound. See? I said to the guard. Harmless, and totally out of operation for a few. The guard lowered his weapon, as Karen hit him once again as hard as she could. Take that, you ugly brute! You should treat women with respect! She's a real piece of work, isn't she? The guard asked. You know what? I changed my mind. If you need her alive, you can pay for a rejuve. In the meantime... He frowned and aimed his plasma rifle at Karen's head. It was then that I noticed the large alien figure about the size of a bear appeared further down the hallway, armed to the teeth and backed up by three slightly less massive but still quite threatening companions. All of them were bandoleros and battle vests, but were otherwise unclothed and covered in heavy coats of fur. Otto, I told you not to shoot her. Just bring her along, said Otto's bear-like superior. After that... What trouble can she cause? Otto sighed visibly. Yes, sir. Lowering his weapon again, he stepped back out into the hallway. I rolled my eyes and followed Karen out of the cell, as the guards escorted the three of us down the long metal passageway. The guards marched us down the long corridor. We turned once, then again, then again. After a while, the passage began to seem like a maze, as we passed door after door of darkened, locked offices, I asked no one in particular, What kind of place is this? You try running a thousand-year-old cartel without human resources or accounting, said Otto. That makes sense, said Glactel. Oh, I see, I added, not seeing at all. Then, turning to Glactel, I whispered, Hey, you told me you had a plan. Would you mind giving me a hint? What is it? Not now, muttered Glactyl. Soon, I said, with some insistence. The situation is fluid, replied Glactyl. Be patient. <laughs> you actually don't have a plan, do you? You're just trying to make me feel good, or get me to shut up, aren't you? After all I've done for you? I deserve better than that. Be patient, Glactyl repeated. Karen interrupted in what had to be the world's loudest stage whisper. What's so secret I have to be kept out of it? She asked. Be patient, I said. Shut up, both of you, said Glactyl. You first, said Karen. I glared. I'm serious, Glactyl said irksomely. I can't think with you two talking. Fine, said Karen. I'll shut up, just as soon as he stops whispering. As the guards continued to marshal us through one turning hallway after another, Otto stepped from the back and asked the squad leader, Do you want me to shut her up? I still have the plasma rifle. Not yet, he replied. But keep reminding me, you can't shoot her. Yet. The hallway seemed to go on forever. After a while, Glactyl, having apparently emerged from his cocoon of deep thought, said, I wish I had my unitool. I wish you had it too, I replied, 
but they took it along with the Zill portal key and everything else we had. If we had it, we could... Glactal interrupted quickly, saying, We could have used it to unlock the cell door, stun the guards, turn invisible, or a dozen other things. But we don't have it. Yeah, I responded. That's why we need a plan. A grunt was Glactal's only response. At the edge of my consciousness, I could tell Karen continued to harass the guards. Turning my attention to her conversation, just as she raised her voice into an area of the audio spectrum normally reserved for mother eagles to alert their mates of impending danger. Do you know who I am? Karen screeched. I am an important government official. Should I? Asked the largest of the three bear-like guards in the front, without turning. Clearly he's been down this road before, and it didn't faze him. I am the docent of the Bob and Glactal Museum of Interstellar Business Entrepreneurship. The largest of the bear-like guards paused and faced her. Forgive me, madam, said Chief Bear, sarcastically. I didn't realize who I was talking to. See this, said Karen, pointing to the lapel pin she wore on her chest like a badge of honor. Once again, I was amazed at how seriously she took her job as a tour guide at a run-down tourist attraction. For that, I felt just a tinge of embarrassment at feeling angry toward her. But just a tinge. This, she repeated. This means that I am the expert, so I outrank you. Do you understand? Chief Bear kept walking. I'll see to it that you're interrogated first, he said, and killed honorably. Then, turning his back on her, he said, Otto, hurry them along. We don't want to keep the boss waiting. I'm going to sue you all, Karen continued, pressing her luck in a way that only Karen could. I'll sue your fucking pants off. My brother's a lawyer. My cousin is a cop. All other guards ignored her, but Chief Bear chuckled and said, What the hell is she talking about? He asked. We don't wear pants. Otto shrugged. Keep walking, said Chief Bear. I think we're walking in circles, said Karen. Chief Bear turned to the guard nearest him on his right. Get her to shut up, will you? Karen was quiet for about three seconds, then said, Let me speak to your supervisor. You're in luck, said Chief Bear, as the party stopped outside a large fortified doorway. We're at his office now. Chief Bear stepped forward, framed his eye in a sensor panel, and the door slid open. And behind a large desk of emerald-encrusted dolomite and diamond glass sat a man of medium build and a slightly reptilian appearance. His mane of white hair was pulled back in a ponytail, making him look officious. This is who we've been wandering in circles for an hour to see? Screamed Karen. This <laughs> lizard? I would have expected that anyone of importance would at least be human. Mind your tongue, said Chief Bear, or I'll bite it off and spit it out. Just try it said Karen. You'll regret the day you were born. 
I already do, said Chief Bear as he gritted his teeth and rolled his eyes. The man behind the desk stood up and revealed his true size. He had only seemed small behind the huge desk before him. In truth, he was taller than any of his captives, though not as large as the bear-like guards. Please allow me to introduce myself, he said. I'm Praetor Thaddeus Drimjack. Your legend precedes you, said Glactal, bowing his head slightly in a sign of respect. Drimjack stepped out from behind the desk. With each step toward them, he seemed larger and more menacing than before. Reaching them, he extended his hand to shake Glactal's. You must be Glactal, he said. I've read about your exploits. So many rich stories to tell. I rolled my eyes at Glactal. Is he for real? Glactal seemed to understand and nodded. I'm going to report you, all of you, barked Karen, waving her index finger at everyone as if it were a weapon. Drimjack ignored her and instead leaned forward and offered me a handshake as well. You must be Bob. I've heard a lot about you, too. Then he smiled, revealing far too many teeth and an expression that made him seem more hungry than polite. I nodded and tried to smile back. Glactal interrupted. We came here to discuss a business opportunity, he began, but received a rather rude welcome from your employees. We're hoping to address that over our conversation. Drimjack shrugged and waved his hands in the air. That's the problem with running an interstellar criminal empire. Too many meetings, poor corporate communications. I'm constantly having to call in my best assassins for disciplinary hearings. All over misunderstood instructions. So you didn't send them to capture and kill us? I asked. Most certainly I did, said Trimjack, though not immediately. I wanted to meet you in person first and discuss business opportunities. In any case, I'm sorry for the reception you got. You are both criminal royalty of legendary renown and should be treated as such. Otto? Otto stepped forward from the back of the room. Yes, sir. Where is their ship docked right now? Slip 147 on the H level, sir. H-147 had just been vacated by one of our battle cruisers on which repairs had recently been completed. Resequenced the Vecklin arrays, as I recall. So the electrostatic cladding belts were still in place. The berth made it easy to neutralize their deflectors while docked and discourage flight. Thank you, Otto, for giving me a lecture when I ask for the location, but that will suffice. Trajan... See to it that their ship is in good working order, and outfit it with a null-destruct device. I want my finger on the detonator the next time these two go somewhere I don't approve. Wait, what? I asked. You're releasing us? Drimjack giggled. No, <laughs> no, you silly buffoon. But I know you're clever, or you wouldn't be alive. I'm just hedging my bets. He turned to Glactal. I believe your partner said you had a business opportunity you wished to discuss. I looked at Glactal. I'm making it up as I go, Glactal whispered 
in an aside. Interrupting, Karen shoved Glactyl aside to confront Drimjack. Listen to me. I don't care who you think you are, but I've had enough. If you let us go now, I'll reconsider suing you, said Karen. I'll speak on your behalf and work to get the charges against you reduced. But I demand that you give me my communicator back so that I can call my lawyer. Drimjack blinked in disbelief and paused for a moment. Did you hear me? shouted Karen. I said... Oh, for the love of Zill, someone shut her up, shouted Drimjack. She's giving me a headache. Chief Bear hesitated and did not respond. Well, what are you waiting for? asked Drimjack. Karen stormed forward and kicked Chief Bear. Looking at Chief Bear, Otto asked. No. The chief growled and responded with a growl as he stepped back. Yes, now. The bright academic flash of Otto's plasma rifle blinded me for a second, and when I regained my vision, I saw a small smoking pile of gray ash where Karen had been standing a moment before. Noting something shiny, I reached down and picked up the metal tour guide pin that she had always worn so proudly. Fastening the pin to my jumpsuit, I turned to Glactyl and grinned. Then, all of us stepped back to allow Praetor Drimjack to finish his conversation with Glactyl. As I was saying, I have heard of your exploits, but they were from very long ago. What happened to bring you here? Glactyl grimaced in his best approximation of a smile and started talking. At first, I thought he had devised a con and waited eagerly to hear what he might say. To my disappointment, however, he simply told an honest and straightforward account of our adventures since leaving Earth. Without the slightest hesitation, Glactyl described our encounter with the Praxian privateers, the predecessors of Drimjack's current criminal organization. He detailed the con we had played on them and how we had made them look like fools— he then gave highlights of the next few years as we traveled the many worlds of the Galactic Rim, getting rich by selling Zill artifacts and the adventures that had made us famous. To my surprise, he didn't even exaggerate or embellish our adventures, not even a little. Then, he explained about the real Zill artifact that we had found and how we had accidentally used it. He described how we were transported to a nexus of interdimensional portals that had been built by the Zill as a transportation hub hundreds and thousands of years ago. Glactyl called it the Hall of Ten Thousand Doors. He finished his story with a short account of how we had used the Nexus key to return to our ship, and how we had also inadvertently traveled more than 12,000 years into our own future. Drimjack had already learned of everything we had done since returning. Fascinating, said Drimjack. I was wondering how you two had survived more than a millennium, and how you had suddenly reappeared. Turning back to his desk, he reached toward one of the several objects on his desk. As he picked up the large, oddly-shaped metal object, he examined it, saying, You spoke of the device that took you to a long-lost transportation nexus, built by the Zill. You must mean this. 
Yes, replied Glactyl. I call it the Nexus Key, and it is the most valuable object we possess. Jimjack grunted and set the key down, reaching for something else on the desk. I immediately recognized it as Glactyl's Unitool. One of its functions was that it could appear as a variety of normal objects. Sometimes it looked like a flashlight, a communicator, or even a walking stick. However, despite its shape, it was always bright red in color. Right now, it resembled an ordinary sonic screwdriver. If you think the Zill artifact is your most valuable possession, then you must not know what this is. For a moment, I was confused. I had always assumed that Glactyl's Unitool was a standard tool, common across the galaxy. Then I realized that I had only ever seen Glactyl with one. I had never seen one anywhere else. Of course I know what it is. It's my Unitool, said Glactyl. Amazing, said Drimjack. You really don't know what it is, do you? This, he said, is an artifact far older than even the legendary Zill. It is from an advanced civilization that vanished a half million years before them. It is indeed a universal tool. Turning it slowly in his hand, he continued, Only three are known to ever have existed. Two were lost, the last is kept in the secret vaults beneath Nedia University. Pausing for a moment, he added, Have you any idea what it can do? Glactyl crossed his arms in front of him and frowned. I have always found it useful, he said sullenly. I reflected back on how he had used it in the past. I knew it could project holographic images since Glactyl had routinely used it to disguise his alien appearance. He had also used it to communicate with me telepathically, and he had used it to unlock doors and see through walls. Once it had served as a weapon to stun others, and a few times he had paralyzed others with it. However, I realized that I really had no idea about its range of capabilities. It is a universally adaptable artifact of immense power. How is it that you don't know what it can really do? Well, when I found it, said Glactyl, it didn't come with an instruction book. <laughs> but it does, chuckled Drimjack. Then, pressing several buttons on the device, it morphed into a new shape as a three-dimensional image filled with alien script appeared above the tool. You just need to know how to open it. I've been studying this since my people brought this to me, and there are more than 10,000 different functions, but I haven't had time to try more than a handful of them. Setting it down carefully, he added, This device is priceless. You could use it to literally ransom a planet. It's a pity you didn't realize its full capabilities, or we would have never captured you. Turning his attention back to the Nexus key, Drimjack turned it over in his hand and said, This, however, is new to me. If what you say is true, this could be nearly as valuable as the Unitool. 
But why should I think this is anything other than another of the many fake Zill artifacts that you have admitted to selling to gullible customers? Glactyl nodded slowly. Yes, I can understand how you would be skeptical of my claims, but I can show you that I'm telling you that it's true. Here, let me open a portal for you to peek through. Pulling it back away from Glactyl, Drimjack said, Oh, no. There's no way I'm going to let you touch this. Just tell me how to use it. Sure, replied Glactyl. Then he glanced at me, and I saw him wink at me. Realizing what he had in mind, I stepped back. All you have to do is pull the two silver knobs at each end. Drimjack pulled one knob, but nothing happened. Then he tried the other, to no avail. No, you have to pull them both at the same time, prompted Glactyl. Sometimes it sticks, so you might need help. Let me show you. Jimjack motioned Glactyl to step back and gestured to Chief Bear. Otto motioned with his weapon for the two of us to back away, while the Chief grasped the other end of the key so that he and Jimjack could pull on one end of the key at the same time. They struggled for a moment, and then the key screeched loudly, and there was a flash of light and a loud pop. Otto turned around to find Drimjack and the other guard gone. Only the tiniest wisp of a mist remained, and quickly faded away. Otto's jaw dropped open, and he muttered, Holy crap! Where did they go? Oh, they activated the key, and are probably in the Nexus right now. They're probably not dead, but it will likely be a while before they return, if they ever do. But what am I supposed to do now? Walking over to the massive desk, he picked up the unitool and said, Well, you can't go to the other guards. If they find Drimjack and the chief gone, they'll kill all three of us. But I didn't do anything, stammered Otto. Oh, I know said Glactyl. But who'd believe you? With us unarmed and only you here, they'll assume that you're responsible. Then what can I do? Well, said Glactyl, touching buttons on the unitool. You're a smart lad, Otto. Just follow my lead, and I'll get all of us out of here. Activating the device, Glactyl disappeared, replaced by the image of Drimjack, then, in Drimjack's gravelly baritone voice, he said, You'll just have to trust me. Touching a button on the desk, Glactyl summoned the guards outside. As they entered, they looked around, noticing that the female, Glactyl and Chief Bear, were gone. Confused, the guards looked to Drimjack, who gestured dismissively. Two of the captives, the handsome one and the female, attacked the chief and tried to escape. There was an accidental weapon discharge and, well, they're gone. Glactyl, in the guise of Drimjack, motioned to the pile of ash. What do you order, sir? asked one of the guards. Otto, said Glactyl. Take this last prisoner to his ship in berth H-147 and wait for me there. Then, gesturing to the other guards, he said, Send someone in here to clean up this mess, and leave me alone for a few hours. 
I have some important work to do. I started walking toward the door. Otto hesitated for a moment, but quickly figured out his role in Glactol's plan and confidently stepped off to escort the prisoner to his ship. Once in the corridor, I whispered, Otto, follow my lead and we'll get you out of here safely. Just play along and everything will work out fine. After a long walk, we arrived at the docking bay on level H and found berth 147. Upon entering the ship, I found Harold waiting there. <laughs> to be honest, I had completely forgotten about him. What are you doing here? I asked. How did you get here? Harold explained. The reboot sequence had taken what seemed like multiple eternities to him, though in truth it had been about ten minutes. In any case, when Harold awakened, neither Bob nor Glactol, Karen, nor even the guards were still in the cell. Finding the door open, he had simply walked out, headed down the hallway, and returned to the ship where he had been patiently waiting since. "'Where are Mr. Glactol and Miss Karen?' inquired Harold. "'Oh,' I said. "'Glactol will be along shortly enough, though Karen won't be coming with us.' I didn't bother explaining, but Harold noticed the pin on my jumpsuit. "'Isn't that Miss Karen's?' he asked. Uh, "'Not anymore,' I replied. "'That means I'm the expert now.' Harold didn't ask any more questions about our missing companions, but as we waited, Otto struck up a conversation with him, and the two of them chatted as Harold filled Otto with an endless stream of extraneous misinformation. About an hour later, workmen arrived, informing me that Drimjack had explained that I was a new employee, and that the ship was being given an emergency upgrade for a secret mission. He then directed technicians and workmen to replace the weapons on the ship with military-grade armament, swap out the power core, and install a top-of-the-line stealth system. Apologizing for the delay, the guard explained that the overhaul would take about eight hours. Halfway through the upgrade, one workman came to the bridge carrying a large spherical object, explaining that it was a null-destruct bomb that Drimjack had ordered. I had been dying to find out what Glactol was up to, he had obviously ordered the refit of the ship while posing as Drimjack, but I had no idea what else he might be up to. Finally, the workman finished and left me struggling to wait patiently. Waiting was, after all, not my forte. At the current moment, worrying was. At long last, another guard approached the ship and walked into the bridge. As I started to address him, the guard disappeared, and without his holographic disguise... Glactyl appeared. Without giving me a chance to ask what was going on, he said, All right, everyone, it's time to go. Wait, what have you been doing? I asked. Just working out the details of my plan. I also spent a lot of time learning more about this. He held up a bright red laser pistol, which immediately transformed itself into a short cylindrical rod. <laughs> of course, I thought. The Unitool. Otto, said Glactol. Did they deliver that null-destruct device? Oh, uh, yes, sir, replied Otto. Good. Please load it into one of our forward torpedo tubes, close up the hatch, and prepare to undock. As Otto disappeared, I asked, So what are we going to do next? Ah, several things, actually. First, we disembark. Then we cover our escape. 
but we have to hurry before Drimjack and the chief return. Of course, they could appear sometime in the distant future, but they could also return in just a few minutes. We need to assume the worst. He could be a formidable enemy. Cutting off any further questions, Glactal said, Just give me a moment. I need to check out the new systems that were installed. Grumbling to myself, I waited as Glactal fussed with the control panels on the bridge. Eventually, Otto returned and asked for further instructions. Glactal told him to wait. So, Otto resumed his conversation with Harold. It seemed they were becoming best buddies, but I marveled at how curious and naive Otto was, and how quickly he had adapted to his new role. He must not have been very happy working for Drimjack. I resolved to learn more about that later. Finally, Glactal announced that we were ready to leave. His hands danced along the controls as he undocked and exited the shipyard. As we pulled away from the station, I saw that Drimjack's headquarters were located in a large asteroid. It was huge and likely housed dozens of ships and thousands of people. When we were several thousand meters from the station, Glactal powered up the FTL engines and said, Brace yourselves. As the engines whined and our transition to light speed began, he fired something from the forward torpedo tubes and there was a massive explosion as we vanished safely into hyperspace. What the hell was that? I asked. That was the null destruct bomb covering our escape. Everyone will think that our newly installed power core exploded before we could activate our hyperdrive. Just in case Drimjack returns, I wanted to ensure that he wouldn't follow us. If he thinks we're dead, we're safe. All right then, I replied. But what's next? Grinning triumphantly, Glactal leaned close and said, Ah, I have it all planned out. You're going to love it. Then he began to explain. The Traveling Salesman continues in Part 12, when Bob and Glactal plan a scam and try out some of the new capabilities of the Unitool. Thank you for listening. You may notice it's becoming easier and easier to interact with us and support the show. We love our listeners, fans, and patrons. Please share this podcast with your friends and family and anybody who might be a sci-fi buff. We know they'll love it. And if you'd like to support the show for about one cup of coffee a month, you can go to the link on the bottom of the show notes in every episode and find a support this podcast link. We value bringing original, high-quality short stories to you every month, and we appreciate your support to keep this podcast ad-free. Thank you so much, and have a great day.